Welcome to Two Bears Podcast. We chat about interests, health, our week, and we quite like a conspiracy too. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Spotify. Hello and welcome to, do you know what? This is episode two, no it's not, season two, episode six. This is it, this is like our 12th podcast, I can't believe it Trev. It has rocketed past, hello Phil, lovely to see you mate, and um, even though it's uh, via Zoom, but still lovely to see you regardless. Yes, it's gone so fast mate, and we were saying this the other day, weren't we? I mean it's just... Yeah, I mean, we are here again, like, hopefully soon we can see each other, you know, in person um, and that. But, yeah, we've done so much, haven't we, I think, really? Yeah, yeah. Going to going to see a pub, go to a pub, have a drink. Can't wait. Go yeah, for a walk I, yeah. together. I mean, the timeline seems to me... I mean, call me uh, <laughs> like a bit sort of maybe insensitive to the needs of, of the nation. But I mean, I, they could be a bit quicker, couldn't it? I mean, you know, we're back at school on March the 8th, but we can't have a beer until what, June the 12th? I mean, that's a yeah. bit mad, isn't it? It is crazy. I mean, what's worse is everyone around me is having the injection, just not me. And I'm only in education, so I'm not that important. I'm only <laughs> seeing children no. every single day um, where yeah. I'm working with them. But, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm not bitter. How dare you, mate? I mean, stop moaning. Just, <laughs> just, uh, just crack on and just, you know, like, let what will be will be. Why is it, mate, that you? Um, I mean, I suppose you're just waiting for a letter, I guess, or whatever from from the doctor surgeon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have any underlying health conditions. I know my BMI is probably about two hundred and fifty, but <laughs> that's about the only. Um, I say that's the only that's the only problem with me, you know. I'm just perfect in every other way. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I could I could vouch for that. You are, you are absolutely, um, especially editing. <laughs> but um, no, I think um, no, um, I um, no, mate. I mean, listen. I think I think I suppose you've got to take it as a um, positive that you you yeah you don't have those underlying health conditions. And I mean, I'm not that au okay with the timeline of, of that. Nations, but I did read on the front cover of the eye that um, over 40s, which I believe we both are, um, <laughs> we're you know, yeah. it's April, isn't it? Mid April is the timeline, yeah. But I do find it bizarre that teachers are the first. I mean, I say the first, obviously, massive kudos and respect for NHS workers and police officers and retail staff who've carried on regardless. But I mean, we are going back, um, you know, not to be to undermine any of those people who work with large <laughs> amounts of young people yet yeah we don't seem to be getting prioritized for the vaccine I mean it does seem to be is it a little short-sighted Phil I don't know well considering it's the first they're sending back they're sending back schools on Monday yeah. and and I just think there's going to be anxiety levels between staff and children are going to be high and the one thing you do when you're anxious is you need a hug. You need some mm. sort of close contact with someone to, it's going to be all right, hand-holding. You know, you can't, you can't wear a mask with a four-year-old, five-year-old, six, seven-year-old without covering those important facial features that relax someone. You yes. know, it's, it's nice, even here, just me seeing you sitting there nodding to what I'm saying is reassuring. I can yeah. see... 
you're you're kind of you're you're smiling, so I know I'm going down the right route, or your eyes widen, and I know I need to shush or what. So it's those sorts of things, and a mask detracts from that. So you can't have that, you know. So it's those important things that we we just need to kind of um, keep doing, but it makes it difficult because we can't. It's um, the whole COVID thing. Yeah, it's going to be really hard. And I mean, you were saying to me off air, weren't you, about um about your son and I mean I, yeah. I am um, I, I'm pleased for your son because as much as I haven't met him yet because of Covid and stuff um, I will do and I feel that he's obviously for me very lucky to have a father like you because to me uh, as a friend you um, typify someone who is very warm very um, like what's the word I'm looking for um, this is a problem as well with lockdown I can't ever find the word that I'm looking for in my brain stable is what I'm looking for warm stable kind do you know what I mean and I think that like you're saying kids are going to go back to um, oh I've lost you oh that's annoying I've been really nice as well I've got to say that again now yeah I think so because I didn't get any of it and even if I did and I have recorded I wouldn't say it again anyway <laughs> Yeah, what <laughs> what I was saying was you come across, I mean, you don't come across, you are a very nice, you know, like I say, warm, stable kind. And like you're saying, like, for Quinn, that must be very reassuring. And, and for any child going through these bizarre COVID times, they need that, that sort of love that their home life is not going to change when everything around them is all weird. I'm wearing masks. I've got a hand sanitizer. I've got to do this thing. I can't go to flip out anymore. I can't, you know, everything's a bit confusing, I imagine. So they need that warmth and reassurance and stability. And like you say, I, um, the kids where I am, are going to have to wear masks all the time unless when they're eating and drinking, which is a logistical and behaviour management nightmare in itself. Um, plus, like you say, um, you lost me, mate. You got me. No, I can hear you're a bit... Yeah. Sketchy places. I am a bit sketchy. Don't worry, I'll sort it in the editing. Okay, I'll try and move as well. But yeah, basically, I mean, what I'm saying is that I just feel like um, it's going to be like you're saying. It's just going to be very, very unpleasant and sort of a bit cold and a bit sterile for these uh, young people. Do you not think? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Quinn actually went back to school this week on Monday. And obviously that's the downside of having parents who are key workers. So his mum's obviously at work and I'm having to still work. So he can't really stay at home. He's got building work going on at home. So it's all like a bit pandemonium there as well. So it's better for him to be at, um, at school. Yeah. But when he came over last night, he comes over for a few hours on a Wednesday night. And we have dinner and chats. He was the most cuddly I've, I've ever known him. He was just kind of that was it and his first hug when we got home and obviously we were out the car he gave me a hug and I was saying early just squeeze me so tightly where I was cuddling him the muscles down this spine were so <laughs> tense so taut you know where he was squeezing so hard it was like a proper hug you know and and you're absolutely hitting now right in the head I think it is we've become that one constant you know mm. school is, is back to being in a scary place because you're going there because you haven't been there for a year and all these unknowns you know what have you done enough home learning to warrant yeah. not being told off by the teacher uh, you know are it, there's all these things that are going through the children's head which just make them panic and 
really kind of yeah not feel safe so yeah if and that's the thing mate isn't it i think the again you, you said it there like safety and security is the um paramount thing for young people isn't it and i think you know research shows that if you look at children from the ages well formative years like you know really young you know one to three it's what their home life and stability and security is then but even as they grow up like you know to, to quill and skylar's age you know it's um it's important to give them that um that basis and that foundation and that sort of thing. And like you say, school is going to be difficult to return to for, for everyone. And staff are going to be anxious and um, students are going to be anxious. Kids won't have seen each other for a year. So the friends that they were friends with, they might not be friends with now. Um, it's a bit of a minefield. And I mean, as much as I understand the philosophy and let's just get them all back in and crack on, which has been the government's approach, um, we do have to think about the well-being and the holistic sort of side of, of the young people. And, you know, I think, like I say, I, I'm, I'm confident that, you know, Quinn and, and, and hopefully, my, hopefully my children will be OK, because I, I like to think that we create a, um, you know, the, the right environment for them to be safe and to prosper and thrive. But um, unfortunately, not, not, not every child has that you know not you know they looked after children and stuff like that you know it, it's they don't necessarily always have the same support network so it's a bit um it's a bit of a challenge mate and um you know we'll just i'm sure it'll all be fine won't it but it's just going to be a difficult sort of feeling process isn't it yeah yeah absolutely. absolutely and on that note i had um i had uh speaking about education and you know you and i have both been quite open historically on this podcast about our feelings that education and it's set up is a little bit, um, how should we say, uh, backward, a little bit um, behind the times, potentially. Um, Dickensian. Yes, very much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had a situation this week where my eldest daughter, Skylar, who passed the 11 plus, didn't get into the school that uh, she wanted. So she's been sent to the local comprehensive, which is a fine, fine school. Um, however, we feel that, you know, the, the, the other school would fit her needs more. So we've had to jump through all sorts of hoops and answer loads of questions and, and sort of essentially blow smoke up certain people's Botticelli's to uh, tell them how wonderful their school is, you know, um, and all that sort of stuff just to kind of get the best and what I found really frustrating, Phil, um, which I don't know if you know, you might do, but I didn't, um, was that basically you're, you're getting in or not getting in is to do with your location entirely. So right. my daughter technically technically lives in East Sussex, which is um, when she's only passed in East Sussex over in October, but because she's applied for head schools um, and basically they do like a ring around the school, um, and she's out of the ring, so she didn't get in. So actually, it's got nothing to do with your suitability for each particular school. It's just to do with with distance. So I was a bit surprised and disappointed by that because you you work at a school where you know you know some kids travel for like an hour to get to them get to the school in a cab. You know, it's insane. They come from Sheppey, they come from uh, up to, up towards Dartford and Gravesend and stuff. So um, we had yeah we had students coming from Sheppey to Folkestone. 
good hour. So um, anyway, yeah, so I don't know, I suppose, I don't want us to both sound faded on this show because it's the last episode of the series and we are we are generally upbeat, aren't we? But it's just, yeah. it's, it's been a bit of a, I think we're both feeling the sort of um, bit of emotional pressure, isn't it? I think it's going to be difficult heading back and it's um, it's providing the right support for the young people in our lives, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And and I know this is going to sound really bizarre because they're only going back next week en masse. Um, and we know we've spoken about schools being open, but in a few weeks, it will be the Easter holidays. Mm. Um, there will be bigger changes again. Is it the 12th of April? I think you can start to see other people. So yeah. I'm not aiming the Easter holidays for a point of... Um, holiday you know time off school um what i am is kind of the next stage of going out and being able to see people or whatever it is and i think am i right in saying and i'm sure uh, mr webbo and his his gang of um publican who are taking over the fox won't mind us saying is it the 12th of april that that opens can you go into the garden I think it's about that, isn't it? I think you're yeah. right, yeah. But then I, I'm a bit confused because there's a there's a date in April, there's a date in May and a date in, in June. I think in June, everything's gone, isn't it? Every, the idea is that every restriction is lifted. And like, right. yeah, I think like you say, I think in May, everything opens. April retail opens and I think, I'm sort of guessing here, but yeah, I think, yeah. So hopefully, like you say, you and I will have a... Um, an establishment on the corner of our, our road where we can go and um and it would just be I think for everybody for all all humankind like you say you know even just looking at each other in the screen having the conversation it's good for the soul isn't it it's good to know yeah. there are other people out there and we've talked about this before you know how not just men but obviously because we are men we we can relate to these problems but every human like has those have those feelings of isolation i think especially i think men are more inclined to go into themselves they don't want to necessarily talk about their feelings they don't want to bother anyone or burden anyone and um you know i think i think what i've learned this week in particular is that it is so important to you know I've always, you know, you can be sharp-tongued, and I've always historically thought, you know, being sort of quite witty and cutting has been a cool thing because my dad was like that. But actually, in times like these, it's so important to hold your hold yourself and just kind of be respectful of other people and be sort of kind and and look after them because words cut deep, don't they? You know, and um, yeah. I've had. Um, you know, I know if she's going to listen to this, it's not going to be a problem, but I've had to deal quite closely with my ex-wife this week, which um, I'm going to be honest with you, Phil, I haven't enjoyed. And, um, you know, it's literally, I, 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 I can't do anything right, you know, and everything that I do doesn't get any sort of, oh, that was all right, Trev, or you did that well, or whatever. It, everything is kind of like, is always something wrong with it and you know and that to me is um it's hurtful you know and it's damaging especially yeah, when yeah. everything you know you're guided entirely as parents to do what's best you know it's like as soon as you have your kids you're 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 trying to do your best for them aren't you so yeah um, and i see that in what you do with quinn and i'm sure you see it in what i do with my children so yeah I'm i don't know man it's just it's we i think you know for this final part of of, of the series i think from my perspective, mate, my, how I want to leave it is kind of, it's been tough. I think it's, you know, I can feel the pressure. I can feel that it's been hard. 
But like you say, it's a time for optimism. It's a time to look forward and be grateful for the friendships, the connections we've made. I mean, you know, you and I, you know, you've met Tim and you've, you know, you and I have got closer over this time. There are people now, once lockdown's over, who we can hopefully have a really bright future with and, you know, add to your network and sort of be part of the, you know, the, the Phil gang and so on and vice versa. And I think that that's, that's, that's the positives we've got to look towards. It's that I think community's become so key, hasn't it? A hundred percent. And I have to say, it's probably at this point worth mentioning. We've had people who have listened to the podcast who have said, and we said, if we got one person in doing this, we'd be happy. We feel like we, we've done something. And actually we've had at least two. No, I'm joking. We've had quite, <laughs> we've had quite a few people who've made contact and said, thank you. I, I forwarded all of, of the messages that I've received on yeah. just because it does make you feel good it does make you feel that you're doing something so whether it's helping someone run on a treadmill or helping someone out of their weekend melee whatever it is you kind of you know we're we're doing what we've achieved or we've set out to achieve which is which has been fantastic 100% mate and and um I think you know we we look forward to the next series we are hoping to get outdoors a bit more now that the weather's um hopefully getting a bit better and um you know we've got big plans haven't we to hopefully uh, host an overnighter um in the woods somewhere which I'm quite excited about um and 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 sort of record it and yeah just keep it going and like like absolutely you know even if three five 10 people whatever it is you know are, are thinking oh that's good you know uh, I've got a podcast to listen to you know that that's that's what we're doing it for and that's the um that's the thing and like you say we've got some interesting guests and we have had Tim Smith last week and if people haven't listened to that that was a belter wasn't it Phil it really yeah. was yeah it was really great good. you know we um he uh he's got a lot of interesting things to say and like we said we probably have him on again with Sophia Stutchbury, who is this week's guest, and um, she's a, a vocalist from Folkestone. Um, well, she's a vocalist, she's entrepreneurial, she's got lots of things going on, as people will uh, find out um, from this interview. Yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, I can't, I can't wait. It is, it's really good, it is really good. Um, so, she yeah. Is a, she's a superstar. She is indeed. So, Phil, I mean... It has been a pleasure as always. Um, I um, will leave it, if unless you have anything else you want to add, we'll leave it to Sophia. We'll wish yep. the listeners all our love uh, and to stay safe. And um, we'll probably take a couple of weeks and hopefully uh, we're planning Easter holidays, I think, aren't we? Maybe to get out and about and um, play with each other in the woods. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I'll teach you my my um alternate version of of three the three bears no the teddy bears picnic yeah it'll be yeah. two bears it'll be two bears and it'll be um yeah it'll be it'll certainly be an experience let's put it that way yeah yeah we might be hungry and yeah hangry at some point certainly huh? I mean, no you and me mate we'll definitely be hungry um but yeah anyway listen man it's been good to talk to you thank you everybody and we should yeah well. thanks guys see you in the future see you later bye now just to talk briefly because obviously you're well known in Folkestone but this this 
Believe it or not, mate, we've got uh, we've got global following. There might only be one or two of them, but there's people from all around, like people in Canada who listen to this podcast. So would you awesome. mind? Saying, oh yeah, would you mind just telling them? Yeah, thanks. It's a bit random, isn't it? But um, would you mind just telling people like uh, what your vibe is, what you do, what your you know, just about you, mate, really? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, well, my name's Sophia Sutfrey. I'm a singer, songwriter, top liner, and vocal coach. Um, I've been singing for, well, I think I came out singing when I was born, but um, I st started taking singing more seriously, like professionally in 2008. I'd always done stuff and always knew this is what I wanted to do. And I've grown up doing all kind of musical and dr drama stuff. And, you know, I've always been in that world. I'm a creative. I'm not an academic, um, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, I started taking it seriously in 2008. Um, I've got stuff released on iTunes, Amazon and all the rest of it and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I write all my own music. I've got a couple of different bands. Sophia Stutchbury, uh, a solo artist, is more sort of bandy, funky, solely um, upbeat pop. And then the Sophia Syndicate is my other band, which is electronic dance music, so it's quite different. Um, I dabble with all sorts of other stuff, but... Um, but yeah, so I release music, um, write music for myself, write music for other people. Um, as you know, Tim, my husband, is a music producer um, and we uh, run an own CBU studio, uh, which has a recording studio, a rehearsal rooms and a music school. So everything music, it's just our life. Um, I do vocal coaching there. I run a singing group as well. Um, yes, so I rec I'm recording. We write. We set up a new company recently called Red Zebra Productions, which is like the birth child of Seaview Studio. And Red Zebra Productions is focused on music for brands, TV uh, adverts, uh, brands, you know, film, anything basically. And it's called sync music because it's sync. It's where music gets synchronized to picture. So um, yeah, we're just launching that now, and we've actually just literally the last few days decided it was we had to, to make a couple of business decisions about which way we was going to set up the processing for all of the um so as you can imagine it's quite it gets quite complicated within um writing and copyright and you know making sure that you paid your money for wherever it's used across the world so we're actually now going to become a publisher a music publisher as well um which would be better for our artists we've got about 25 artists that um we are putting on our roster um at red zebra because although i would love to write every song for every show and every film and every advert yeah. that's you know can't have it all and sometimes they're not going to want they might not want a female voice they might not want a voice like mine because my voice is quite quite unique which is mm. great in some ways but then other ways people don't want something something they might want a light wispy girly voice or something you know and that's not me um and i've got my style and my way of you know writing tracks and things and really um we've been doing a lot of uh research and educating ourselves in that world because it's very different the way you write a track for sync music for you know for those purposes and applications as opposed to writing it for yourself as an artist um it's very different in what in some of the principles you have to consider when you're writing the tracks and things so um what the important thing is is for a music supervisor who's choosing music for their film tv show whatever they need to know that whatever they need they can get now what we're trying to do is kind of be the one-stop shop and we can then say to music supervisors 
whatever you need, we've got it covered. If you want blues or jazz or funk or rock, you want a male voice, a female voice or whatever they need, we've got it covered. So basically, in effect, we could then provide the music for the whole film or, you know, for all of their adverts or whatever they're doing. So that's the idea. So as you can imagine, we've got quite a lot going on. Um, we've been doing the contract side of things, which is, Oh, admin's not really my thing. Creative people mm. don't really like office type stuff. Um, but it's got to be done and it's got to be done properly as well because, I mean, you can make one mistake with registering your writer's number for something and, you know, one digit wrong and you're not going to get the money you owed. So, yeah, it's quite quite important. So, yeah, basically everything to do with vocals. Um, I love vocals. I'm a bit of a geek. Um, you know, I love looking at, vocal folds and muscles and stuff yeah. like that <laughs> i've got to say it sounds um it's it's very ambitious sophie which i really like because i think you know you, you know both yourself and tim are, are obviously very talented and creative people tim's kind of got you're, you're lucky in a sense that because like you said i think you hinted at really most creative people um tend to really hate the sort of admin-y like mathematical yeah. side of things so you've got quite a nice balance with Tim because he's got a bit of both hasn't he He seems to be quite good at that sort of side of things he, yeah he is he's a geek um he doesn't really enjoy doing the admin stuff but he's, he's a proper geek and clearly I love geeks because I'm married one but um, he's turning me a bit geeky I have started <laughs> geeking out on stuff that I never used to I'm like oh my god what is happening to me um but yeah we do have it is really nice uh, Tim and I um, do sort of bring opposing skills, which is really nice. Obviously, some things we both can do, but there's, yeah, it really is nice because we can kind of share out the stuff and, you know, and we do have different skill sets, which is always always useful, isn't it? It is, definitely, mate. I mean, and with that in mind, um, I was just going to ask you, um, I was going to ask this later on, but it kind of fits now. So you, you've obviously got your own career. Um, you've got sort of different, different styles of bands um, and you've got different businesses. So I basically put what 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 are your goals? I mean, if you looked like and I, I don't know about you, but I did this quite a lot, like where I'd like my life to be in five years time. Like, what would you say for you? Is there any particular would you like would you give it all up to be a famous like singer or would you rather, you know, how do you, what would be your ideal scenario for you guys? Well, hopefully I'm going to win this competition. I'm going to be in the dog pound in LA with Snoop. <laughs> yeah, mate, that sounds good to me. West Coast rap, bring in, yeah, bring in the 90s West Coast vibe back. Hopefully. Oh, hell yeah. Um, well, you know, you're right. And you should look at, um, you know, where do you want to be in, it's that typical interview question, isn't it? Where do you yeah. want to, where do you see five years and obviously yeah it, there is absolutely no shadow of a doubt that tim and i will both be in music till we die that is we're not really yeah. made for anything else um and yeah i mean you know i'm 41 now so i'm not going to be prancing around the stage in a pair of hot pants well i wouldn't have done that in hot pants when i was 20 because you know i've no. never had the legs for it but do you know what i mean i you know i'm a certain i'm gonna only appeal to certain people i guess um, I'm quite lucky that my fan base is quite a broad range from teenagers right up to, you know, 70, 80 year olds, which is really nice. Um, and some of the bassier songs, my mum might go, well, she's a bit boom boom, isn't it? But um, yeah, I mean, it, of course, I'm not going to turn down the opportunity to become the next Adele or whoever of who, who would turn that down. Um, but for me now, I think when you're, it's such a tough industry um, and there is so much talent out there. 
Um, I definitely don't want a record deal. I haven't for quite some time now because it's so easy to do it yourself. And, and obviously now we're going to become publishers, so we can do the, our own publishing as well. Um, as long as I am making a good, healthy living and I'm helping people and I'm still singing and I'm st I'll always probably um, still sing, even, even if I didn't need to, you know, it's not like I need to gig, but I enjoy it. I love singing live. I love the interaction from the crowd. Desperate to get back to that. Yeah. Um, so in five years, I see us, um, we'll have a good load of sync deals under our belt. So, you know, see us more actively on, I'd love to get some really big adverts, big placements in big films. So that's where the goal is at the minute with Red Zebra Productions. We, Tim and I love writing music for those purposes. So yeah, just, I just see it, just see it and hope that we just have a big pot of songs that have been used in really great films, adverts, TV series and stuff like that. Um, I'll always probably do help people with their vocals. Um, you know, vocal coaching for me is just, I just love seeing people's faces when they start hitting notes that they couldn't before. And, um, you know, and I just thrive off of it. So I'll probably always do vocal coaching, even if I don't do loads and I just pick a few clients just to kind of, I want to keep in it. Um, but yeah, I think that the, the long-term goal for us and also to have all the artists on our roster, we want everybody to, to win. We want, you know, the water rises, everybody floats. So yeah. um, if, we, if we can get syncs for all of the um, artists on our roster, at Red Devil Productions, I want to see. I want to see them do well. I want their music being used. Um, you know, I want Red Zebra as a whole to really be known as the place for people in that world that are looking for music for those applications. Um, you know, they, I want them to all know about us, and uh, I see them coming to us when they've got stuff. Rather than at the minute, I'm still building relationships and you know, building all of that no like and trust factor really up with all these music supervisors but it's it's a it's a marathon not a sprint it takes time so five years is probably actually a good you know a, a good kind of number to really look at you know where getting where we want to be will take us a few years so yeah yeah that's it's, 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 yeah I, I appreciate your answers i think you know and i think you know what i'm getting from that is kind of you're very balanced in the sense of you obviously no one's going to turn down like a, you know like a, a multi-million pound accord deal but by the same token what you said there's interesting because you don't necessarily um want the recording deal and it's it just it's a bit of synergy because I, I had a traditional publishing deal and I actually said no thanks and went independent and I think as much as it's harder work and I, I really and I'm, you're probably saying I, I don't enjoy the marketing I don't enjoy constantly you know being on Facebook picking up my, my own stuff but I, yeah. I there's nothing really that a traditional publisher well it wasn't doing anything for me it wasn't doing any of the marketing and um it was my book was still selling it was number one fiction seller but it wasn't actually getting pumped by I mean, I'm thinking well what am I you yeah. know getting out of this so um yeah, I, I think it's interesting, isn't it? I think nowadays, if you've got the skills and the expertise, you can do it yourself. It sounds to me that you've got a very exciting, like, you know, a few years um, few years ahead. And um, I'm excited myself about Red Zebra, because obviously we've been discussing bits to do with music and potential collaborations behind the scenes. So, um, but my question really, actually, is, is, is why Red Zebra? <laughs> I just was interested in that. Oh. Well, because we was gonna, do, we could have just done like Seaview Studio Sync or whatever, because we wanted yeah. it to be sort of obviously Seaview Studio just acts as a normal recording studio, does all your normal recording studio shenanigans, as you know. Um, yeah. 
I think in that world, because it's kind of cool and funky and you've got to stand out a bit, I thought Seaview Sink or Seaview Stink, it wasn't really very groundbreaking, you know? So we wanted to go with something that was a colour, um, wanted to have something that was an animal and I wanted something kind of funky. Um, and, you know, you have a little look at what else is out there. So um, because typically with marketing and stuff, like colours and animals are always really good in names. Um, it's just yeah. something that we knew, knew about. And um, I wanted something funky and something just fun. I didn't want to take, you know, as you get older, you realise life's too short to take stuff seriously, you know. And it's just people don't want stuffy corporate stuff sometimes. And, and all these music supervisors and people like that that we're going to be approaching, they are just the same as us. They're people. We're all yeah. people. We're all humans, you know. And I think when you're younger, you're kind of like, ooh, and you feel like you've got to craft. I've learned now, you know, crafting these emails. They can see through it. It's like, oh, I wonder if I can take your time to move it, you know, all this kind of stuffy kind of, it, it, you know you're being fake. So I think now it's just about connecting and being as real as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, so I just thought, Red Zebra, you know we stuck some sunglasses you know a red zebra is quite 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 out there isn't it we stuck yeah. some sunglasses on him and and hey presto we've got you know it's something quite fun and i think it's quite easy to remember hopefully it's good yeah it's good i like it i think it's um it's certainly as you wonder, there's a story like when you first met tim he was i don't know like lying on the back of a red zebra so i was just interested to see you come with it but you know it's a good um it's a very cool it's a very cool name i like that um just talking more generically, so like, I wanted to ask, like, um, sort of, you said 2008 was when you started yeah. taking the music a bit more serious. Was, like, it was obviously our podcast about well-being um, and sort of, I'm very, very interested in, like, how music can sort of help with well-being and so on. Was there a particular point where you, was there something that happened in your life? And obviously, don't have to get too personal, if, if you know, whatever, but, like, did you decide in 2008 that this is a path where it's going? Did something push you down that road or did it just happen kind of um, naturally? Um, well, a couple of, yeah, kind of both really because I knew I was wanting to do it and I went on the cruise ship. So sort of skipping back a bit, this is a bit random, but so when I was leaving school and I was trying to choose my option, all I, all I wanted to do was sing, dance, act and be on the stage. Um, I've always been, I suppose, a bit of a show off, if you like, but um, it's just the, it's just a creative, it's just that, creative yeah. person it's just what, what we're like and I always wanted to do that and my mum and dad um because my, my brother and sister are both older than me um and they're both creatives we're all cancerians so my poor mum because my dad is also a cancer me my brother my sister and dad are all cancerians so my oh. poor mum around there in January is a Capricorn um so she um got an expensive month in March in uh, yeah. July <laughs> yeah. but, so we're all kind of creatives and my sister went off to be a groom for like a famous horse rider um and just went into the world of horses now the world of horses and my sister now she's amazing she's you know I, I did the horse riding when I was a kid and then got into discos and boys but my sister um stuck with it and she now I mean she runs a horse transportation company she competes very professionally she's absolutely amazing on a horse and um but there's not really any money in the world of horses. They tend to zap a lot of your money. So my mum kind of saw my sister going up and doing that, which is not really a, a world, you know, that you're going to earn that much money. A lot of it is trying to get sponsorship from people that do have money with, with horses. And I've, I mean, I've seen my sister, she might win some money from a competition over the years, but then the horse box would, you know, have something to fix on it or whatever. So she was doing her horsey thing. My brother was doing um, art and graphic design. And I think it got to me and my my mum and dad were like, please don't do something creative. Please do something. Get a trade. Get a trade. Yeah. My dad, 
Uh, my dad had a company, Stutchbury Fuels, it was coal, gas and oil, but he was, uh, his brother was more the front man. My dad just liked going out delivering coal. So I used to, but he was like, you know, a grafter. And my mum originally was a hairdresser when she left school. Uh, later years, she, um, she bought my nun's bakery off of her, but that's another story. Anyway, so they had always had trades. And I think they, you know, when you have a trade, you, it's always a bit more guaranteed to have money. I think they just panicked when it got to me and was like, please don't do something creative. And they kind of, as much as she'd hate to hear me say this, because she gave me the opportunities and it paid for me to go to ballet and tap and modern dancing lessons. They paid for me to do all, you know, to go horse riding and all these things. But actually, when I wanted to take it up as a career, I think they were like, oh, no, another yeah. one that wants to do something that has no money. So yeah. they, they basically almost sort of forced, but strongly you know suggested that i didn't do um music you know they were like everyone wants to be a pop star it's a really hard hard industry which is true um but i actually went to canterbury college against all of my they were like well okay what else is your your interest and passion i was like music dancing sing you know all of that and um but I liked travel and, you know, it's like, well, there's not really much money in being a travel agent. And, um, but I do like, I liked the sort of theatrical um, makeup and also kind of the holistic side of beauty. So I went and did a two year college course of beauty therapy at Canterbury College. And I then went and worked on the cruise ships as, as, as a therapist and then the beauty salon manager shortly after. Um, and everybody that I met would be like, you should be on, why are you in a salon? You should be on a stage. And it used to frustrate the life out of me. And I used to go and sit on the top deck and write my songs. And I used to watch the shows. You know, you have all the big shows on the cruise ships. Yeah. And, you know, I used to sit there thinking, I could sing better than that. I could dance better than that. I could do that better than that. It was, I was so frustrated. And everybody would go, you should be on the stage. I'm like, I oh, know. So <laughs> my mum always had this thing that if you really love something that much, and you've got that much passion for it, you will find a way to do it. She said, if you love it that much, do it on the side. So, and I get her, I get the reasons that they did it and everything. And then it got to, I then I was with a guy and we went off traveling um, around Australia. And I don't want to be horrible to him, I was within 10 years. Um, and he just, he just didn't get it. He didn't get my music and he tried to support. He bought me a keyboard. It was the wrong one. It was the one I didn't want, but he was trying in some ways. But I really felt held back by him. And I think he was conscious that he was trying to support, but I really kind of knew that I was never going to be able to do what I wanted to do whilst I was with him. And I also you know, knew I didn't really like him much anymore. So that's another story. <laughs> but anyway, it was around 2009. I mean, we, I actually ended up leaving about 2011. But 2008, I just thought, you know what? He's not going to, I can't wait around for other people to support me. I've just got to get on with this. So I started making waves. And then somebody asked me if I'd sing at one of their events. And I said yes. And, and it kind of chucked me into, it kind of made, I was kind of, you know, knew I needed to take it more seriously and just get on with it and not worry if I, you know, I used to think, well, he's not going to like it if I go to London and work with this music producer for the weekend. And mm. I just thought, it got to the stage where I just thought, it's tough. He's going to have to like it or lump it because if I want to actually do anything with my music and singing, I've got to do this. So I started doing that. I was going to London and working with a producer. I got asked to sing at this quite big event, a big masked ball that was like a ticketed event. And I worked with a friend of mine who was a DJ. So he basically mixed my songs that I'd written into his set. So we just 
gave me the instrumental, took my vocals off, and I performed it live. And that night, I felt like an absolute superstar. I really, really practiced. I really, you know, I went to bed early every day, every night for two weeks because I wanted to save my vocals. Took it really seriously. And it was funny. It was one of my friends. I think it was my friend's 30th birthday or something the night before. It was this big party. And I'm, you know, I'm quite a drinker and a party animal. And I went home early. I didn't drink. And I went home early to bed. And I think all my friends kind of then went, wow, so really serious about this. To leave a party and, you know, say no to alcohol. Um, and you've just got to do that. And after that night of that performance and everybody telling me I was amazing and all that, I just, not that it went to my head, but I got the buzz for it, you know. Yeah. I just... I just love, and that was it from then on. And then obviously from 2008, 2011, like the last three years of being with this partner, it kind of, we just went further and further apart because I just, I had the blinkers on and I was like, right, I'm doing this with or without you by my side, you know? And then um, in the end, it just was, we've grown so far apart and he just really did, wasn't, music wasn't really, really his thing. So in the end, I, you know, made the decision, I just got to go. It was hard because he hadn't done anything you know, that hard, it's not like he did anything really wrong or anything. It just we grew apart and he I couldn't see him as part of my future. Um, and as awful as that sounds, but you've got to do it, haven't you? And then I, you know, I got to 31. I left my ex-boyfriend at 31. Um, it's quite a late stage in your life as a woman. And Tim and I have been working together for about 18 months. And I think my ex-boyfriend actually, in his head, I think he wants it to be that I cheated on him with Tim because he, he couldn't accept that I just didn't love him anymore and didn't want to be with him anymore. It was really hard. And I felt yeah. so awful because I just did not love him. And Tim and I, it's not in my nature. Anybody that knows me, I've, I've never cheated. or and I'm just not a dishonest person. I would yeah. never do that to somebody. Um, but Tim and I have been working together for about 18 months. And... Um, and then I split up with my ex-boyfriend and went and lived with my mum for a bit whilst we sold the house and all that shenanigans. And Tim and I just started working more and more closely because, do you know what, music was my refuge. Everywhere I went, everybody wanted to ask me about my breakup and how's it going and blah, blah, blah. And he gets to the point, you think, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And obviously I love music. Tim came, moved down to Ashford from Croydon, so he knew no one in my social circle. And Tim, as you know, he's not the sort of guy to pry. He would never ask me about it. But if I wanted to talk to him about, you know, because obviously I was going through a breakup, if I wanted to sound off, he would just sit and listen. But if I didn't, he wouldn't ask me. And, you know, you know, Trev, this is the absolute 100% truth. All we did was we sat and we made music. There wasn't really any flirting or anything. It wasn't like that. We just made music and it it got me through the breakup. Um, yeah. And then, you know, a year later or something like that, you know, slowly, slowly as the months, I became closer and closer with Tim and we just, you know, I saw more of him than anybody else because we were writing music together. And because he'd come to Ashford and would ask his friend Anthony, you know, if he knew anybody. And Anthony very lovingly said, oh, the only person you want to, you know, consider working with his Sophia. She's, you know, singer, blah, blah. So, yeah, we just, our relationship grew stronger. And then I remember finding myself checking my phone for text messages from Tim. And that's when all of a sudden I went, oh, hang on a minute. I think there's more than just a friendship feeling starting here. And, yeah, and it just sort of grew from there. But he still hasn't taken me on a date, you know. Our date was making a tune I don't know. I mean, do you know what? It's an East Kent boys thing. I don't know what it is. Like, I came to Folkestone, met my wife, like beautiful lady. She was 24. And no one had ever taken her on a date. And I was like, what is going on? Like, it's, it's bananas. But do you know what? It made my life a bit easier because as soon as I took her on a date, that was it. Do you know what I mean? So I was, I yeah, was in there. 
I've got to say that is um, it's an. I'll be honest. So I think it's an inspiring story because um, I think there's a lot of things in there I want to unpick. But I mean, the first thing is that you are in effect living the dream because so many people, myself included, do what your mum says and kind of balance the um, can't balance sort of making making you know the money sort of thing with the passion. And the problem with that is you never fully commit 110% to the passion, which means it's never as good in my opinion as it possibly could be. So um, yeah. I, I commend you for that. And I think that it's brave and I think that um, it's inspiring for other creatives out there. Uh, and I think you've got to keep going and keep doing doing what you, what you, you know. I gave up a very high paid salary about three yeah. when I had a really good job. So I was doing, I was still doing, I went seriously in 2008, but I still had a job um, to pay my bills and stuff. But as you just said, you can't, you can't give it a hundred percent if you're focused on other stuff. So yeah. about two, hang on, is it two or three years ago? When was it? Two and a half years ago. I just realised that if I want to do this, and this worked well. When we moved the studio from our, our, we had a studio, Tim probably told you, in our uh, detached double garage in the garden at our house in Ashford. And it was great inside there, but um, the toilet was in the house. So obviously we were very limited to how far and how higher clients, you know, you know, the sort of services that we we're offering. So we knew we had to um, upgrade and upscale our studio. And luckily for us, our friend Simon had just bought this warehouse and, you know, all of the premises down at Seaview at the time. And funnily, he came around to the studio in Ashford to record a song in, in Britain. And uh, I'm telling him, like, basically about, you know, it's really hard because if you don't know somebody, you've got to tell them to go into your house to go to the toilet. And, you know, we're, we're yeah. capped with how far we can grow. And he went, well, funny you should say that. I've just bought this um, where this this premises in Folkestone it might be a really good place for studio and we were like oh my god he was like do you want to come and have a look hell yeah so that's kind of how this was born and that was yeah so we started that I still was doing my job I went down I tried to do it because you panic about not having money you know it's a very risky thing to give up a nice and I had I, had, I was earning good money I was a director and all sorts and I'd done quite well I've been with a company something like nine years something yeah. like that and we, we still write the music for them we were doing it was quite a it was creative director for power hoops like weighted hula hoops um and but it was fitness but i did a lot of the kind of we wrote all the music we've done something like 250 songs for power hoops since 2013 so we still write the music but i was on a salary and then i went because i didn't want to i was too scared to give it all up i went down to three hours a day but that, it never works out as three hours a day. You end up, and my colleague, Karen, as much as I love her, she would then, and it would sometimes only just be a quick question. I'd do like from nine till 12 or whatever. I'd clock off and go, right, I'm going to go and work on music now. And three o'clock, she'd have an urgent question. So she'd be like, oh, Sophia, can, can you just, and it would only be maybe a five minute request. But when your head's now in songwriting yeah, world, yeah. you don't need the distraction. And I felt like my brain was being pulled all over the place. So in the end, I said to Tim, this studio, and Tim, as you know, he does the production, he's the geeky side. I'm more of the, um, I'll go out and get, you know, build relationships and all that sort of stuff. It, it really works with us both doing those roles. And Tim can only do, if he's in the studio producing people and recording people all day, he can't really be doing all the other stuff. No. So I said, we're not going to make a success of CD Studio properly unless I come full time as well. So I bit the bullet and I gave up everything to do it. Um, so, and that was, I think I, I then went down to two hours a day, still trying to hang on to that last bit of money, but it just wasn't working. So about, it's been about two years now, I think, since I've actually, um, 
sent an invoice to Karen for any money. <laughs> well, no, actually, I'm due to send her an invoice. You just reminded me. I've got to send her an invoice. We made a track for her last month, but I haven't invoiced her for. But, um, yeah, music, we, we still write all the music, the Power Hope, so still very supportive of them. Um, and, yeah, but, so I, yeah, I'm totally full-time. You've got, you've got to do it. You've just got to bite the bullet and do it. Yeah, I think you're right, mate. And I think also, what you know, with what you've said there, I think it's so important. And it's, I mean, I, I was obviously in education. Me and my mate Phil, obviously, unfortunately, he's not here for this. He's what he's working. But um, we often talk about how education's so flawed, and like kids never learn the things that they should learn, and people end up going into industries that they're not interested in, or they're going to industries just because their parents want them to make money and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I think what, you know, that is that is another podcast in itself, talking about what kids should learn in school rather than what they do learn but I mean yeah. what I was going to say to, to you was it's I don't know how you know how you feel but I mean we're not my um I, I obviously divorced my first wife which is documented quite heavily in Sunny Sands you know the book and and so um like I one of the reasons why that broke apart I mean the whole growing apart the whole thing didn't work blah blah, blah. but I remember my ex-wife explicitly saying to me when I started playing guitar and writing music and people were saying you're right at this mate you can do this you can do this and it got I ended up getting a bit more serious and practicing more and practicing more and practicing more and she said I remember explicitly said to me give it all up there's no point you can't do it it's, no, it's never going to make you any money you're a teacher and that's it and I was like <laughs> it was like dagger through the heart yeah. like, there's ways and means you know what I mean of saying things and also you know I think I think having a partner um that supports you that understands you and that has the same sort of goals is so important and like all the, all the stuff I've done recently has all been basically because my new wife she's not massively into the creativity side of things but she allows me you know what I mean and she allows yeah. me and she supports me and she'll promote me and she'll believe in me and I think it's so lovely listening to your story and Tim talks you know without you know cringing both of you out he talks quite romantically, you know, and, and, and very highly. And it's, a, it's a lovely thing to hear. Do you know what I mean? Oh, oh God, getting all gushy. I was tearing up here. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> let's end on a positive. You know what I mean? I think I think it's really, um, yeah, I think I think it's lovely. I think I think it's really important. And I think I've got to say so, if you, you know, your story is, is positive and inspiring. And I think both you two are doing are doing amazing things in the community and, and positive things. And I am, um, uh, I love that, man. So, um so well done basically and thank you you know it's good oh thank you that means a lot and you know do you know what um it's really funny because we started we got asked to do one of these workshops for young you have to call them young people you can't call them kids now um young people um a couple the first one we did was know, a couple of years ago at seaview and um we agreed to do it it was it was young people with um mental health problems learning difficulties problems at home all that kind of stuff and we did this workshop you basically kind of help it's the therapy of getting drawing their problems out and making songs out of it was kind of the basis of it with like a little showcase at the end at a local music venue and all that stuff but before we did it i'm like i didn't think i liked kids and that's a really awful thing to say but i didn't think i liked them but i have to tell you these kids were oh young people sorry yes, they were <laughs> um 
Oh, do you know what? I really loved the whole process. There was such love. I think it's really different because when your mum, if you've got like a 10 year old kid that your mum says, you're going to go and do this club or this course that they don't want to do. It's very different to someone that's chosen to be there. Like these, these people got put on this course because they love music and showed a passion in music. And, and, you know, they thought that that could help them. So they wanted to be there and they're really talented as well. They were just so much fun to work with and seeing what they got out of it. And one of, when their parent, one of their parents came up crying saying you have changed my daughter she had no confidence before this what you've done for like literally my hairs are up now and I could cry because for me you know when you think when you've done things like that and we've done quite a lot of this over the last few years and gone into colleges and schools and all this sort of stuff doing similar things done a few workshops and stuff and what I get out of that it kind of gets to the point you think I don't I don't need to be the next bigger deal this is this is fulfilling me um as long as it's music related and i get to be creative and you know you get so much back from doing things like that don't get me wrong i still want to win the snoop contest but um it made me realize it's made me learn stuff about myself the last few years because i wouldn't have perhaps picked to do that it's because people came to us and i now realize that i do like kids i just like nice kids <laughs> you're so, you're, yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing. You're like, the kids are all right, and it's the system that's not all right. And that's yeah. always been my belief. I think we learn more from kids than we do from the older generation. I've always believed that. And I think that yeah. there are, um, yeah, they, they're just, mate, if you're put in a sort of straight jacket and, and told to sit where you're told to sit, you know, you know what it's like being a creative. It's it just the whole thing's a bit, um, a bit, a bit outdated. I mean, the education system hasn't, hasn't moved on from the 40s. So I think if you can go in and do those types of workshops and places like that and not be bogged down by the nine to five and the admin, the bureaucracy of being a teacher, like you are winning at life. And I think that's, that's where I'm looking towards hopefully in the future as well. Because I think that's, um, it also separates you a little bit from the, from the teachers who they might have negative connotations about. And, and you know, I mm. think it's a really positive thing. Um, so if, I'm going to leave, leave you uh, to uh, to 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 go soon, but I wanted to ask. So Spotify, your albums are on Spotify, aren't they? People can find they them. They are. They're everywhere, aren't they? You can get them anywhere. They're everywhere. All major online platforms. So um, whichever um, application someone uses, you'll find me. iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, all the rest of it. YouTube. Um, I've got all the normal social medias, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and um, Twitter, and whatnot. And I am a little. I have actually got a uh, TikTok account, but um, I felt a bit old. I was like, oh my god, please don't yeah, I'm, I'm not that active on that i have just posted oh, a picture of my suit thing earlier but yeah i'm not sure <laughs> i can do cartwheels and stuff <laughs> no it's a bit scary man it's a brave new world all that my daughter's into it but i'm not yeah i'll, I'll just leave her to it so if i'm gonna if, if you were gonna give someone or tell someone a song if they were gonna go away or we're gonna put it maybe in the um when, when we put this out a song of yours um that you wanted to use to say to promote you and what you're all about what would it be do you know what? I'd like to. There's, there's, I've written some recently that I'm so excited about and proud of, and but I'm proud of all of you know stuff I've written. Yeah. But one track I think really solely because of the message is my album title track, which is Start Something, because it is all about believing in yourself and that you can do anything you put your mind to. You're never too fat, too thin, too old, too this, too that, or whatever to do whatever you want. And it's all about. You know, we, we've got one life as far as we know. And if I'm, I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to swear. Um, yeah, should I not yeah, swear? Yeah. It's, it's a mild swear word. It's just my sentence that I say a lot. I think you said life the F word twice, so, so I wouldn't worry. 
Oh, I thought you hadn't started recording at that point. <laughs> it's all good. Though, I, thought, I thought that was our chat at the beginning. Well, no, my it's, all, it's all good. Oh, good. Thanks. <laughs> you have to say you're live on Channel 4. Do not say beep, 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 beep. beep. <laughs> yeah. um, life is too short to do shit you don't want to do. That is my sentence because uh, that is it. That sums it up. I think, um, lastly, not to be morbid, but a few years ago, I had a couple of friends that were young die. And I think it was at that point, I sat at their funeral, seeing their little young kids left behind. And I thought, do you know what? You never know when your time's up. And, and that's kind of when I was just like, I think that was when I was like, it was around the time that I decided I'm going to give up my full-time job. I'm going in, I'm doing what I want to do because I don't want to sit on my deathbed and go, because one of the girls that died, she she suffered for a while. She knew she was dying. It wasn't sudden. So she must have sat there and thought, God, what must be going, what must have gone through her head, you know? All them, and she had remained, she was so inspirational. She remained so positive. She even asked to have her ashes put in a bloody um, firework, and they set that off a year later. It was amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. She was such an amazing person. I just thought, do you know what? I'm I'm just not doing stuff that I want to do anymore. And it was a turning point. So in a strange, morbid, weird way, them passing away like that, like gave me inspiration. That sounds really weird, but um, and I'm sure I know the two people that passed, Jez and Nicole. Oh god, I'm getting all teary up there right now if they're looking. You know, if they if they could hear that they've inspired me, I think they'd be very happy. Mate, that's it. And, you, you know, like I say, you, like I've said to you, I think what you're doing is inspirational. And, I, you know, I wouldn't say if I didn't mean it. And, um, yeah, I'm really, really positive. Uh, and people like you, things that you're doing, things that Tim are doing are the sort of role models that our youth should have. Do you know what I mean? And I think that we've lost a little bit of that in kind of um, in the school system and the education system. So keep doing what yeah. you're doing. You've got my back and support. And I hope that, you know, we stay mates and we collab and do things and bits together. Um but Sophie, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. And um, oh, thank you so much for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed it. I'm not yeah. getting, I'm really emotional. <laughs> no, no, it's really nice. It's been really nice. What I think, if possible, um, we'll we'll maybe get you guys on together at some stage. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, and see how we go with that. But yeah, thank you so much, Soph. Uh, I love you and leave no, you. Lovely to catch you, and I'll catch up with you very soon, mate. See you later, mate. Take it easy. See you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.